There are all kinds of reasons to like living in Michigan. And you should know why you like living here. If you're going to live here, at least know. That way, when somebody calls you and says, why should I come and live in Michigan? You can say, well, let me give you the top 55 reasons. Here's just a few I thought of. One good reason to live in Michigan, you can get your home. It's affordable on two or three or five or whatever acres outside of town. So you can live by yourself, but you can still be close enough to the city amenities. That is not something that you can do in most of the country. Another good reason to live in Michigan, outdoor sports and activities all year round. You like football, you like baseball, you like basketball, you like soccer, cross country, track, horseshoes, horse riding, and then snowmobiling and snowshoeing and skiing and skating. I mean, you name it, right? Hunting, fishing. What else did I forget? A couple more probably, right? But there's something to do all year round outside. It's great. Another good reason to live in Michigan, uh, I was thinking about, with that uh, your family will almost certainly stay close. I don't know what it is with this place. It's kind of like Hotel California. You can check in, but you can never leave, right? But, but every, f- I mean, I know this, it's a joke, right? I know some of you have family that has moved far away, and that's hard for you. So I don't mean to make light of it, but a lot of families stay. And you'll have people for many generations that stay. And on top of it all, you can actually beat the Packers. What could be better? Right? It's about time. There's lots of good reasons to live in Michigan. One reason I know, though, that you do not live in Michigan is this. Nobody lives in Michigan for that. The cloudy skies. I was reminded of this fact just the uh, last few weeks because I, I went to, to Colorado to see my family. And after a couple of days, I was like, something's different. Oh, yeah, there's sun. It actually exists. I had forgotten. I did a little number crunching. I looked at the numbers. And I know that these kinds of numbers always be tweaked and wrong. Michigan was rated with a 46% sunny ranking. Do you know what Seattle gets for sun? Well-known worldwide to be the cloudiest, rainiest place. We're actually maybe worse. Miami, Florida, 70% sun. Almost twice as much sun as this place. No wonder we're all so crabby, huh? Even Chicago has 54% sun. That's what we would like. The sunlight... The sun, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? And that's what God wants to tell you and I today. He says in our lesson, a light has dawned. And remember, right now we're in Epiphany at Peace. Epiphany is a season where we see the, what Jesus brings in revealing God's glory. We remember that Jesus was born and he reveals God's glory to us. And that almost always means light. 
For example, little story, in, in the Bible, Moses, after the people of Israel built their tent that they were going to worship in, the glory of God came down on the tent. Every time Moses went into the tent to pray or to offer a sacrifice or simply to talk to God, when he came out of the tent, do you know what he had? His face glowed. He had to cover over his face so that the people would not go blind as they stared at him. God's glory brought light. In fact, when God creates the world, it says he created the heavens and the earth. Day one, he says, not let there be the laws of the universe, not let there be physics. He says, what? Let there be light. The very first thing God's glory brings is Light, And that's what he wants to bring for you and I today. And, and maybe because we've got so much commercial light, all the electrical lights, we, we don't think about light anymore. But God wants to th- get you to think about light today and the light that he brings into our world. So the first thing we need to remember and we need to take to heart is that Jesus is real light, whether we like it or not. We're looking at these words from the prophet Isaiah today. And the first thing we hear from the prophet Isaiah is that people were consulting mediums. They were trying to talk to their dead relatives. People were even talking to people who could talk with demons and perhaps even the devil himself. People were looking for guidance. They were feeling lost in the land. What's this darkness that Isaiah is talking about? If you read on in the words from Isaiah, here's basically what the people were going through. 2,700 years ago, that's when Isaiah lived. At that time, the nation of Assyria was the up-and-coming power. Assyria was just a little bit north and east of the land where Jesus would one day be born. Assyria had a pretty fierce practice of war. They invaded the country of Israel and all of the surrounding region. The annals of the king, the record of the king, tells us that they destroyed 591 cities and left them as piles of rubble. Now, don't think that a city was 20,000 people like what we have today. Some cities were only 50 or maybe 30 people, a couple of families together. But 591 cities. Assyria laid siege to Damascus, the capital city of the region. The records tell us that the king laid siege for 45 days. Siege is when you surround the city and you keep the people from eating anything, getting any food or any trade into the city. You force them to live off of everything they had. He kept them like birds trapped in a cage until he just overwhelmed the city and burned the whole thing to the ground he practiced a burn practice on the fields and the orchards outside the city they just plowed over all of the fields all of the orchards and burned everything in their path that 
was the darkness that Isaiah lived in. When people were calling for mediums and spiritists and help, it was to get help with that situation. And and the situation of Jesus' day wasn't much better. As the Matthew and the others wrote these words down about Jesus, the Roman Emperor Nero commanded his general Vespasian to attack the Israelites, to attack the people of Judea. He came down and he eventually he had his son lay siege to the city of Jerusalem. And this time, not for 45 days, but for seven months, seven months, 200 plus days, the Romans laid siege to Jerusalem. Nobody got in or out. They captured anybody that they took and they sold them as slaves. I don't want to say how many died because we have kids with us today, but it was not, it was not good. That was the darkness that Isaiah is talking about. And to that world, Isaiah says, a light's dawned. A light has dawned. Now, what do you think that means? What do you think that means? I mean, do you think that Ahaz, the king, he got up one day and he said, Aha! I get it now! Do you think that's what, what it means? It's easy to look at this story because we know that the light is supposed to be the baby Jesus. It's easy to look at this story kind of like we look at a baby. You know, I, I got my, my picture of my baby right here, right, on my, on my phone. I look at my baby and I say, Oh! Such a cute baby. Josiah, he was such a, oh, he was just wonderful. Right? It, it makes me so happy. Now, if, if you look at the picture of my baby, you're like, oh, yeah, he's cute. Right? He's a cute kid. But it doesn't warm your heart and melt your life like it does for me. He's my sun, moon, and stars. My whole world revolves around him. He's the light of my life. But for you, well, he's another cute kid. There's a big difference between that and the light that Jesus brings. Right? It's so easy to look at the light that Jesus brings and to think it's, it's kind of like a flashlight. You, know, you bring out a flashlight, there's too much light in here, you can't see the flashlight. But I can, I can turn it on, I can turn it off, it helps me when I want it to help me, it doesn't help me when I don't want it, I can put it on the shelf, and the only problem I ever have with it is the batteries die darn things they're never helpful when you want them right but jesus is not that kind of light is he jesus is not at all that kind of light you can't control him you can't manipulate him you can't make him show up when you want him to show up and he doesn't bring light for you but not for you jesus shines his great light on the whole world the the prophet here isaiah he says A light has dawned, right? A light has dawned. Not a light shone on us, but a light has dawned. It has risen for everybody. Jesus is so much more like the sun. He comes up when he wants. He goes down when he wants. He shines light on everybody, whether you like it or not. The only choice you get in life is whether you're going to stand in the light 
or you're going to hide in the dark. But his light blazes down on everybody and it reveals everything. That's what God wanted to tell these people. That's what he told Isaiah, that a light had dawned. God's glory was shining on them. See, in the Bible, darkness is almost always a metaphor for death and evil and shame. Those three things, death, evil, and shame. Those were the things that the people of Isaiah's day faced. Death, the Assyrian army, was marching against them. Evil, the Assyrian army, was encircling, laying siege to the city. And people committed terrible atrocities. In fact, do you know what an evil thing they were going through? The reason that the Assyrian army was attacking was because their own brothers and sisters in Judea asked the king to attack. They were betrayed. They were betrayed by their own people. How much evil did they face? And shame? They saw terrible atrocities trapped in that city. And then God said, let my light shine on you. He didn't fix everything right away. He didn't take away all their pain and all their problems. But he illuminated the entire situation. He said very clearly, here is sin and here is good. Right? Here is evil. Here is wrong. Here is life. Here is death. Here is hope. Here is despair. Here is a future. Here is a past. Through and through, God drew a clear line between all of the darkness and the evil and the sin and the shame that was eating up their lives and the good and the right and the holy and the life and the hope and the future that they could have. And he made that future a reality when he sent his son into the world to swallow up the darkness into himself. Jesus came into the world and you know the one thing that happened to him when he sat on that cross and he hung on that cross for hours? Darkness. Do you want to turn off a few of the lights for us, please? You think it's dark in here right now. On the cross, Jesus was enveloped in darkness. In fact, on the cross, it tells us that in darkness came over the whole land. Friends, that's what happens when God's love leaves us. Jesus took that darkness into himself so that there would never be a time in our lives where there is no light. It's not just the light of a little flashlight for you and for me. It's the light of a sun, a light that will never go out, a light that clearly draws a distinction in your life and in mine between good and bad, between right and wrong, between hope and despair, between a future and just past, between death and life, between destruction and rebuilding, 
and between heaven and hell itself. Jesus took all of that into into himself so that you and I could have that life. Is that the light that you live in? Can you turn the lights back on, please? Is that the light that you live in? Right? The only choice we get in the matter is not, does Jesus shine light on this world? But are we going to live in the light? Or, like the moles and the groundhogs and the weevils and everything else that keep destroying my land lawn, are we going to live in the darkness? Right? That's the only choice that you and I get. And you can do that. You can live in the dark even when there's light all around you. I was really strongly reminded and kind of taught that when we lived in China. One of the things that happened in China every Christmas is is the Chinese were starting to get into the commercialization of Christmas just as much as we were. Right, so you could go down to the, the major uh, international commerce stores, the ones that you can find in France and in, in Europe and in Belgium and all these other places. Right, You could go there and you could see all the Christmas lights. And they had big, beautiful trees filled with Christmas lights. And you could walk through Carrefour and you could buy yourself Christmas lights to put on your tree and hot cocoa if you wanted and all of these other things. We would even go sometimes to the schools Almost none of the Chinese people had Christmas trees in their houses, but you could go to some of the schools that we taught at, and they'd have Christmas trees up. And it was like they were trying to get into the season. Of course, you ask any of our friends, what does it mean? Why do you have a Christmas tree up? I don't know. Even though we could go and we could see all the big, beautiful lights, you know what our favorite place to go to was? Our apartments. Because in our apartments... We brought mangy little Christmas trees from America. We had bought them, brought them a decade before, before they even had lights in China and Christmas trees. We had mangy little trees that we decorated with trick, rusty old lights that we hauled back and forth, and we kept trying to save the, the light strings, right? You know, you pull the bulbs out and keep trying to save. You don't hate that pain, right, every Christmas? But the light was real. The light meant something to us. Because we knew what it was. We knew it was the light of Christ reflected for us in those lights. You can live with the light all around you, but it doesn't have to be real to you. Is the light that Christ brings real to your life? Does his light show you hope? Does his light show you life? Does his light show you what is good? Does his light give you truth? Does his light point you to the way? In short, right, Christ is the light of the world because he brings hope in the midst of our death, because he brings life in the midst of our destruction, because he brings a future in the midst of our past. And friends, you, you, if you live in his light, you can reflect that light. So let's let you and I, let's live in that light, take that light and reflect it out to the world. Be like that Christmas tree in our apartment. Maybe you're a little rusty. Maybe you're a little beat up. Maybe your of your branches are, are falling apart. That's okay. 
Be filled with that light. Let his light mean everything to your life. And you can reflect it out to the world. And the world will live in your light. I'd love to pray for you for that. Pray that you and I can be that light in this world. Lord Jesus, you have taught us that you came into this world to shine a light on our lives. To let us see goodness and truth and beauty. Basically to let us live in the glory of God. Shine your light on our lives and drive out the evil, drive out the darkness, so that we can walk in your light. Let us reflect that light with all of our lives. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.